I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. You see these little oak leaves? They're silver. That means that I'm a lieutenant colonel. If there were gold, then I'd be a major. You understand? Yes, sir. That's good. Because the next time you see an officer of the army, you'll be able to recognize his rank. And he won't get pissed off and accidentally hurt you. Understand? Yes, sir. Good. Thank you. About your daughter, sir. I want you to know my intentions are strictly honorable. Um... But yeah, he uses uh, Warden as a confidant. He's like, yeah, yeah, as you say, he says, you know, this Mark Harmon kid does this. He's seeing my daughter. Uh, Warden's like, you know, maybe just let her. She's not a kid anymore. Yeah, yeah, she's literally 47 years old. Yeah, she's 47. So, so the next day, uh, or then maybe the same day, who knows? Uh, oh, that, that is the other thing. Right. Does this, this is, I mean, we'll get to it, I think, but. There's a lot of um, drama between Mark Harmon and Meg Ryan about how mm. much they're falling in love. But yeah. the timeline of this, I feel like this movie takes place over about three or four days. If that, yeah. And they're like, oh, we're seeing a lot of each other and I've fallen hard for you. Really? Because mm. it's Thursday. So it's mm. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It's a bit much, love. I mean, during lockdown, yeah, fair enough. But <laughs> not in the real world when yeah. you can actually move around. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, because he goes and picks up Connor because he drops Connor at the museum. He says to Connor, "I'll come and pick up you later at the museum. We'll go and see um, the rich dude, Mark uh, Peel. Yeah, yeah. So he picks up. He walks into the museum and says, "Hey, Jack Borden. Hey, Sean Connery. You ready?" So they go and see Mark Peel. Was played by Mark Bloom from Cockroach Dundee, who, as I recall, was like the first big U.S. high-profile casualty of COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very I, sad. I, it was. It was. And he. This is from the era where he was. Uh, this was the only gig he used to get. Was, yeah, he was renting a slime ball. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I've written as well. He was renting mm. 80 slime balls at Crocodile Dundee. This and um, oh god, the Madonna one. Oh, um, who's that girl? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He was good at it. To be fair, and he gets nothing to do in this. No. Well, he gets a shotgun. Imagine sometimes you take a job because you get to run around with a machine gun, which he wasn't That's getting true. off with a lot. Yeah. No, it would have been good in Crocodile Dundee if he'd done that. Very different film. <laughs> I watched yeah. that recently. You know what? It still kind of stands up as being quite fun. I th- I saw it recently, and uh, yes, it is still fun and funny, but it is, we are in a very different world in terms oh, of God. gender politics. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. That, <laughs> that bit. That bit aside, the bit when he's having dinner with Mark Blum is very funny. When oh. Mark Bloom's trying to show him up about his uh, menu knowledge. Every time I stay in a nice hotel, and by, and by nice hotel, I am classifying one as with a B day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, yeah, every time in my head, mm. I mm-hmm. smile to myself and say, it's for washing your backside off your guy to the toilet. <laughs> every time. And I always think of the leg coming around the uh, doorway going, Senor Meek. Oh, hello, Rosalina. Oh. And it's actually her. But yeah, the dinner scene's very funny because um, Mark Bloom's trying to show him up with his French words. And then he says, oh, have you seen what that pe- those people have got over there? And when they all look, he knocks Mark Bloom out. It's quite funny. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, so he, he claims his car had been stolen 
And he has a watertight alibi for the night that Lynch was shot. Oh, God, he plays it so badly as well. Not as an actor, but as a character. He's like, did you hear hear that? My car has been stolen. It was my wife's car, but Mm. it's been stolen. And it was used in a what? In a murder? Oh, how awful. Anyway, please help yourselves to a... I've just realised this is an episode of Minder, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is... It really is. Connery is George Cole. (laughs) <laughs> and Mark Harmon is Dennis Wortman. <laughs> and they're trying to find out what happened to, like, Gonchi McPherson, who was yeah. murdered while delivering a bag of tools. Broadly speaking, this film has the production qualities and what have you of, of a mid-range um, mismatched cop buddy pilot. Yeah, yeah, it does. Except they're too, they're too, they're too apart in terms of the spectrum. Like, like um, Riggs and Murtaugh are a close... Because they have really good chemistry on screen, that's easy to see. But Connery and Harmon have no chemistry, and also their characters are so belligerently different. Yeah, you don't associate, you don't sort of empathise with either of them. Um, I mean, I, I guess you're. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I'm on Connery's side just because that happens. It's just because it's, it's Connery. Connery. Yeah, exactly. exactly. If if he was played by well, if he was played by Peter Sutcliffe. Yorkshire well, yeah, but <laughs> well, let's find. So, let's see if we can think of someone who's between Sean Connery and Peter Sutcliffe. Like, okay, so like originally, uh, the f- this was written for, Brian Blessed. Uh, no, but because right. this was originally written for uh, Lee Marvin and Jeff Bridges. Yes, and because I have no feelings about Lee Marvin, really. No, I with the same writing, I'm like, I don't give a shit about this guy. I think you're right. Yeah. No, I think it's just purely... You can say what you like about Connery. Yes, he's an awful person. Or was. This is the first podcast we've done since he's passed away. Oh, God, I'm um, sorry. Yeah, that's all right. God, the day he died, I got about a million DMs. Sorry. <laughs> like he was my dad. Yeah, well... It was really yeah. weird. <clears throat> um, yeah. Um, he had a lot of charisma and a lot of charm. Yes, and he had he actual, actual magic on screen. Whereas, Which makes it so much harder for Mark Harmon, who is functional. Yeah. Functional. He's a TV nice guy. Man. He's a TV yeah. actor. And obviously, he's been he's been since in, yeah CS hmm. or what it was NCIS um, CSI paedophile. <laughs> Whatever no, C- it is, it's been CSI running so long. Stoke he's stuck Newington. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. But he's been doing it so long. I think he started around the same time as this film was made. Um, I think so. so he's, I can't he's, think of any other big films he was in. Uh, oh God! Hang on. Apart from summer school. There must be something. He must have got a couple of things. But you're right. God, I can't think of anything. No, I can't. Not even as, like, the sleazy ex-boyfriend or something like that, which you'd no. think he would have made his 90s out of. Hmm. Yeah, he just so, didn't have much of a career. No, but while they're in um, Peel's office, oh, yeah. uh, Connery notices lots of Vietnam-era paraphernalia. <laughs> yeah, but we don't know that. No, we don't. Because he, 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 they get chucked out and... Um, and he goes, and Mark Hamill's just like, oh, we wasted our time going there. And Connery yeah. goes, you didn't see what was on his desk. But they keep yeah. rowing, and at no point does Mark Harmon, the detective, say, all right, what was on his fucking desk? We don't find yeah. that out for another half an hour. Half an hour. I just wrote that down because um, it was important later. But then he says, can I buy you a cup of coffee? And yeah, Connery's we go. Like, Me, a cup of coffee? Okay. So they go to a bar, and they're drinking coffee, but there are some people in there who take offence to the fact that Connery is an uh, an officer. <laughs> um, I mean, just to be clear, they're not healthy-looking men, the people who come up and try and start a fight. Say what about Connery. Connery. How old was Connery at this point? I guess he would have been uh, 57. 56, yeah. 57 doing this. Hmm. And he is a fine figure of a man. He's clearly hmm. in shape. He's hmm. in a military outfit. So you can tell from that, he's a trained killer who looks like one. Right? Also, and, can I just say, he's not wearing a hairpiece in this. Very rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not many roles he did that. I guess there was... Um, oh, he had just done Untouchables, I guess, with the sim. Yeah, but he wears a hat mostly in that, doesn't he? Yeah. But in this, quite a lot, he's got his old bald head out. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, so th- th- these these Trump supporters who are storming the Washington today in this bar, <laughs> future Trump supporters. Yeah. Oh, I, none of these people made it out of the 90s alive. Their cardiovascular system was not built true, to last. true. true. Uh, but they start mocking him, <clears throat> and then one even comes down the stairs and starts picking on him, and calling him. What does he call him, Colonel? Uh, 
I think he is a colonel, so he gives him... Uh, he calls him Major, maybe. Major, yeah. Yeah. And Connery says to him, um, leave it, you know, leave us alone. And the guy just keeps pushing, and then he says, I can do more damage to you with my right thumb. Than with left, left thumb. It's just left oh, thumb. Left thumb. Left thumb. Then you can do with me at all, or something like that. <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah. Because I'd, I'd use my right thumb, but it'd be too much for you. Yeah. And then the guy starts on him, and then Connery does indeed sort of beat him up with just his thumb. Yeah. Well, it's just bit... to be, I want to be clear about this. He's got his thumb out slightly. Mm. He's using his whole fist. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's just got a little bit of a thumb out. He's basically pushing him into people's dinners. He's pushing... Like people are sitting down having dinner, and he's pushing them onto their tables. I have to be honest with you, right? I, I support Connery and everything he does, right? But in mm-hmm. this one, him and Harmon are the, are the issue. They like, are. Also, this is happening, this is, this is happening at one o'clock in the afternoon, because you can tell people are there. Their lunchtime crowd is there. They're clearly people who've just come and have a nice risotto for lunch, and they're just yeah. having Sean Connery thumb a man into their dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and then when his mates come down to join, to help... Harmon pulls a fucking gun out yeah. and says, make it fair. I'm like, what do you mean, make it fair? You've got them at gunpoint. Yeah. Pound for pound, Mark Harmon and Sean Connery have, have behaved much more illegally than these guys. Definitely. And then he basically just says, oh, and he, he pins the guy up with his thumb still. Yeah. And says, um, You see these stripes on my shoulder? Uh-huh. That's shit from earlier, but that doesn't matter right now. <laughs> the, the ones next to them, that makes me a colonel. Hmm. So have some respect, you piece of shit. Can I offer you a bollock? Mm, I've got one in my pocket here. It's a bit wrinkled. But it's oregano from my own garden. <laughs> it was a fox. <laughs> I saw it this morning and I was shooting birds. And this, honestly, this scene feels... And then, oh, there's the gag at the end. What's the gag? I can't remember. Harmon, because before the fight starts... Uh, Harmon says, what are you doing? You asking me what my intentions towards your daughter are? Ah, uh, yes. And then the fight starts. And then after he beats the guy up with his thumb, Harmon goes, just so you know, my intentions to your daughter are strictly honourable. Uh, that's, that's quite nice. But the, this, the whole scene hmm. is, because of the era it was, I think, again, if it was an action drama thriller thing, you had to have a bar brawl. And it's like uh, they finished and went, we haven't got a bar brawl. But there's no, there's no logical reason why the man picks a fight with Sean Connery. It feels like one of those scenes that's been cynically crafted to be shown on film 87. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd always get a scene like this in a film where they put it on and then you could, you imagine as they walk out, Harmon says that line, it'll cut to Barry Norton, and then turns back to the camera and goes, lovely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, then they, he, he, they split up, they go their separate ways, and then Harmon is at work and he gets a phone call saying, there's a little package for you in Chinatown. You might want to go and pick it up because it won't be there for long. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's, there's, there's a one scene in between, which is mm. Meg Ryan and Jack Warden go for a walk oh, in a graveyard. God. It's so weird and creepy. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And it's, mm. I think it's just there because he's just like, because obviously he's no Meg Ryan, the, the character his entire life, and he mm. basically just says, hey, your old man can be a bastard, but you love him, and I'm really just here to remind you that I'm a character in this movie because it matters more in the third act. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and and uh, But it is pointless. Uh, and they've just clearly gone to a graveyard. They could have gone anywhere. I don't think they even mentioned that it's a graveyard. I think it's no. just because it's like, technically, you can shoot in those without having to get a license. I, I think, think it's that- because you look at Jack Warden and you think we should probably keep him near one. <laughs> <laughs> He might be in there soon. <laughs> Although he lasted a lot longer, to be fair. He did. God bless mm. Jack Warden, who died this century. Wasn't he in Problem Child? He was, yeah. He was, Jack Warden was great. He was in everything. He was he in was the show. Great. What was the name of the show he was in when we were kids? Like, I want to say it was called Fox and Friends. It was a private eye and his son who's a cop. Oh, Crazy Like a Fox. Crazy Like a Fox, which mm. I looked up the other day. In my head, that show ran for 17 years throughout my entire childhood. Uh-huh. It ran for about 28 weeks, and the BBC just repeated it for a decade. I was going to say, it must have been repeated. because The only thing I remember about that is that they had a Ferrari. Did they? That's all I remember. That's, I might be remembering it wrong. I think Please maybe one episode they rented a Ferrari. Were they like private detectives? He he was a private detective, and his son was a cop. Uh, and the setup was every week. It was it was a call from the son, 
uh, just going, hey, I need you to help with my with a case. Just remember, I'm the cop, not you. And he's just like, hey, what's the worst that can happen? And then it's always something. It's always something. His dad would go into a chicken coop and, and rip the necks out of chickens. Yeah, because how does this help the investigation? I don't know. I'm crazy in a way I, that I, I, I don't know how to describe. Mm, mm. And then they ended, sadly, that last episode where he was chased over fields by men on horses and dogs. <laughs> and then he was killed. I know. What a finale. It was awful, but, you know, they didn't get a second season, so why not go out? And, <laughs> why not go out with a full stop? <laughs> Oh God! No one's thought about that show in thirty years, and now no, we've brutally murdered Jack Warden. Like, there was also there was weird. It, I think it was Stephen J. Canal, wasn't it? Wasn't he behind all of them? Wasn't he just like that scene at the end of his shows where he throw the paper over his shoulder? It was yeah, like, that was him. Yeah. I've, I've written another one. I've written another one because there was loads of things like Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Well, Eighteen was him. Um, yeah, Eighteen. Yeah, uh, Airwolf. And it's just, I, I love that because it, it gave a really terrible idea for future writers going, yeah, when you finish a page, just fucking chuck it away. Someone will pick oh. it up. Yeah. I mean, that's what Tarantino did. That's why he gets so many leaks on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Imagine imagine if that is actually how Stephen J. Canal was working and every time they get a script, they're like, this is a shambles. This doesn't make yeah. any sense. Is this supposed to be a flashback? No, I just chucked him on the floor and somebody else picked him up. I can't be yeah. fucked. I'm Stephen J. Yeah. Canal. I've got time to. Can't you just put him in a little pile next to the typewriter? No, I'm Stephen J. Canal. That's not what I do. Have you seen what I do? Yeah, look at my That's fucking. That's my thing. Yeah, look at my logo, you bitch. <laughs> that could be a man he's talking to as well. That's not. Yeah, a... exactly. Yeah, there wasn't supposed to be sexist. There was. No, Dan is the least sexist person I've met. Yeah, what's wrong with being sexist? Everything. Oh, yeah. Oh. You'll get stormed. I know. Yeah. That was um, just to be clear. That was supposed to be a uh, Spinal Tap reference. Of course. So, hmm. I know what's wrong with being sexist. I've had it explained to me by the Twitter. Mm, I am as God's made me, sir. Um, so then, the, the turns out his package in Chinatown isn't a sex doll or anything, or, <laughs> or like some really good chow mein. It's it's Colonel Lawrence, and yeah. Carmen, uh, Harmon busts him and says, "I told you I was going to get you when you're on my jurisdiction. You are now." bitch and Lawrence is like oh and he looks really sad about it and then he kicks Harmon and runs off yeah and it goes really naked gun now it goes on forever as well because the most they, boring foot chase in the world I, I disagree and I'll tell you why please they do a thing that I've never seen in an on foot chase before they've used the camera as Lawrence's POV but not his eyes his back so <clears throat> we get so we, we are his back as he's running away from Mark Armand because we can see Mark Armand and uh-huh. clearly Lawrence is pushing people out the way because you keep getting stuntmen falling into scene like right? and it looks absolutely ridiculous oh. I've never seen any because because the thing is it doesn't if you could see the whole thing you'd see what was happening but what it actually looks like is extras randomly falling into frame oh my yeah. it looks it, really it looked, weird it looks really weird and, and stupid oh yeah it doesn't work at all but it, it's no. still better shot than the some of the um, action scenes in like something like I don't know like the Deadpool like this is a better San Francisco action film than the Deadpool well, I said to you that this would make a good Dirty Harry film. Yes. If you replace Mark Harmon with Harry Callahan, it would be really good. But you'd have to switch the roles around. You can't have two grizzled, disgruntled old men. No. You'd have to have like a like a Tom Cruise from A Few Good Men as the Sean Connery role. And uh, Harry Callahan as the policeman. Yeah. Or, or I don't know, I, I, I can see it working when there's a kind of a, a grumpy old man. I don't think anyone's ever done this. Two detectives back on the no. case. That's true. Um, yeah, God, has anyone ever done that? No, they should, though. Because it would make, make a really good Dirty Harry film. Yeah, but I, I can see it actually working with some guy he was in the army with who's his age. That might be quite interesting because all of hmm. D- Dirty Harry's partners are always like like younger, inexperienced. Mm-hmm. Or his actual boyfriends. Oh, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, oh, by the way, if you, if you haven't heard, uh, Dan has got a podcast called The Podcast With No Name. I forgot to mention that up top. That's fine. I don't, okay. Where he he does Clint Eastwood. For, Clint Eastwood. Sorry, <laughs> I became the man from Crocodile Dundee too. <laughs> Do you know who that is? Clint Eastwood. Um, Dan has got a Clint Eastwood podcast called the Podcast with a Name. Uh, so far, there's only two episodes out, right? There will be more. It's just it's been oh. a hell of a year. We've got a good hands, isn't it? And we're in a new one already. He said that. We're already six days into it. Oh. 
Uh, yeah, I did uh, the Deadpool with Dan, and if you haven't heard it, you should listen to it because it's great. And then a mutual friend of ours did uh, Dean Burnett, Doctor Dean Burnett, did Space Cowboys, and they're both very good. Yeah, I've I've, I've recorded a bunch. It's just a matter of editing them and mm. uploading them, uh, posting them to the internet. And I'm very proud because you used my laugh from a very good joke. That I, did. I did. I did. That's going to be You've that, used is, that as my of your Stephen J. Cole that is exactly. That is yeah. exactly. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. So basically, he gets him and Lawrence have a foot chase. It ends unfortunately with Lawrence getting run over and killed. Yeah, hang on, because that is such a massive thing that happens there, right? Mm. Mm. So he he happens to uh, come out of an alley just as this yellow sports car is going past at 100 miles it's an like hour. It's like a Trans Am, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's Trans Am, right? It's the most distinctive car you could possibly use in a hit and run. And it has to it be. It might as well have been the A-Team van. The thing is, I mean, or just... Airwolf. Not to spoiler it, but it turns out that it wasn't accidentally going past. No, no. Right? But in, just logically, how is that car going to know that he was going to come out of that alley at the exact moment... And he does. No. Because it's not like he's parked there. You can tell how fast he's going. He's been, he's coming from up the road. He hasn't been like parked by the alley waiting until he comes out. He was already in motion. This is so illogical. He could have gone anywhere. He could have gone to the top of a building. And what would they have done? Then they would have got Airwolf out. Yeah. It should have been like, honestly, the driver was like, dumb, that was a bit of fucking luck. Mm -hmm. Um, But but yeah, that, that doesn't make any sense. And later on, we find out he killed him. You're supposed to have forgotten how yeah. this scene played out, I think. Well, because when they reveal it, you're kind of like, oh, yeah. Because you forget what happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so Connery turns up uh, at the crime scene and says to Harmon, we, we had a deal. If the, the bullet was a match, we were going to go and shoot him together. And he's like, oh, we didn't have to, I didn't have time. And he's like, bullshit. <laughs> you dick. And then he turns. It turns out that he he reveals here that Peel, so Mark Bloom earlier. Also, oh, Harmon is also the worst cop in the world. Yeah, because because he, he, he's mm. just like, well, that's the end of that chapter. Mm. What? But but what are you talking about? Where he definitely did it? Why? Because he ran away. He, yep. Mm. Like this guy, Harmon is a homicide cop who doesn't know anything about the law. He just no. if somebody runs, they did it. The end. Mm-hmm. Um, and Connery just bollocks him. Well, well, yeah, Connery bollocks him and then says that. Um, when we were in Peel's office, I saw pro-Vietnam, you know, I saw Vietnamese paraphernalia. And it turns out he was in the CIA. That's right. Yeah. Oh. Because, oh. And he pieces together and goes, I saw some coasters on his desk. They were from a bar in Saigon. And the only people who go to bars in Saigon are the CIA. Oh. Is the Again, is the logic of this movie. That's the logic. And Harmon's like, oh, oh, okay. Right. My mate bought a toaster. We go through celebrities' Amazon purchase histories so you don't have to. Keep calm and love Dom Jolly, novelty keyring, yeah, and fridge that. magnets. Yeah, I love that. The G-spot. <laughs> the good vibrations, guys. Green dot laser sight rifle gun scope. I've bought that quite a lot of times. I think. Right, okay. The sex doctor's guide to keeping it hot. Ah, oh, interesting. Did another child come along nine months later? Yeah. <laughs> Loads of great apps up now, and new ones dropping every Monday. That's My Mate Bought a Toaster from Great Big Al. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So to then go back to the officers club. Oh, it's so boring now. It's really boring. And they find out that the... Because uh, at the beginning, when Harmon turned up to the officers' club, there's a weird bit where he puts his hand in a pot of... Pl- a plant pot. Brings out the water and smells it. Yeah. And we, we never know why. Uh, no. In fact, Connery's very first line in the movie is mm. something like... He's talking to, to some junior officer or like a sergeant. He goes, I didn't ask what type of plant it was. I asked you if you'd watered it. It was mm. like, it seems so nothingy at the time, but it turns mm. out it's the the whole case is on whether or not these plants were watered. Because they go into the storeroom and um, they think that the killer was at the Presidio that night trying to break into a storeroom to retrieve a bottle of spring water. So a bottle of um, water cooler, plastic bottle. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then they get the name of the delivery driver who delivers the water. Christ almighty. They go into the company that delivered it and they speak to the secretary who it turns out is a big fan of the dead. Yeah, yeah, the grateful Dan, dead. I bet you don't know that. Oh, Damn, of course know I the, know the dead. I bet you don't know the dead are. I, of course I know the dead are. Sean Connery doesn't. Because, of course he doesn't because it, uh, it's not his thing. But also, right, so they go into the office and this woman mm. is in the office and she, you can tell straight away that she's a Grateful Dead fan because she's got Grateful Dead posters all over the wall of her office. You mm. can't do that in a workplace. No. For a start. And uh, Harmon tells her a bollocks story uh, that is, oh, my, my, I borrowed his car. He's my dad. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, because I look just like him. Everyone does. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so I thought I'd come down here and find, and I, I noticed it was one of your delivery drivers to scratch the car of his that I borrowed. And it's like, this is a lot of story now. It's going way too over the top. And yeah. yeah, it's like the more you tell, it's definitely bugs. And he goes, and it was scratched by one of your water delivery men. Yeah. Could I have his? And I, I could sue you, the company, but I won't. I just, for no reason, I want that driver's home address, please. And that driver's name is George Spotka. Yes. Which is a which is a Peter Hyams thing. Yeah. Because I knew the name and then I messaged you and said, that was from um Outland, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Spotta. 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 Jo- in fact, specifically George Spotta, because yeah. <laughs> it's his it's uh, Peter Hyams' wife's her name is George Spotter. Her name is George Spotter. It actually is, I'm not joking. Hmm. She's her name's he married a George. And her sister's name is Train. Yeah. So Yeah, so it's, it's a Peter Hyams trope. And I said to you, Oh, is it in Copland? And you returned to me a moment later and said, Yes, it is. Oh not Cop Outland, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not Copland, sorry. Um Out, yeah. Time Cop. Time Cop, yes it is, yeah. Yeah, there's also in there as well. Yeah, so wow. Um so he manages to he then says to her, like, you know, it's pretty bad damage, so could you give me the address of that guy as well? And she's like, well, I shouldn't, but as you like the Grateful Dead. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. we're into the same band, mm. I will definitely I mean, do this I'm, breach thank, of data. Thank, I mean, that's probably how that fellow from the Lost Prophets got on. <laughs> um, so they get in the car, and Connery's like, oh, how did you get that information? And he's like, she's into the dead, man. And he's like, watch the dead. And he's like, well, you wouldn't understand, old man. I'm like, fucking hell, that's embarrassing, isn't it? I mean, they were a band from the 60s. I mean, they were out of date in 1987, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Why couldn't they say, like, I don't know, Dead or Alive or Wham, at least? (laughs) Fucking Wham? That'd be amazing. The Human Leagues. (laughs) Watch Millie Vanilli. Yeah. Watch Millie Vanilli. (laughs) You ask me, they're not even singing the fucking songs. (laughs) <laughs> I think that prick's lip shanking. He's what? He's lip shanking. You're so old. You don't know anything. Uh, but it turns out that um, the uh, Caldwell recognizes the name Spotter and says, "Oh, I s- he served under Lawrence in Vietnam." And then so Austin, so Harmon goes and checks Spotter's house, and then that car is outside, but it's been painted a different color. Oh God, I hate this so much. This is what I was saying. When he then sort of plays with the car and a bit comes <coughs> off and it's yellow underneath, I was like, 
Oh, oh yeah. He's, he's got a, yeah, but he's, he's, he looks at the car. He goes, I recognise that car. Why? It's a Trans Am. There's a lot of them. And he happens to go to the trouble of kneeling down by the, the rear number plate and uh, and just poking away at it. And he goes, well, what about it like? It's yellow. Hmm. But it's luck. It's all just luck. You wouldn't saying, do why it. Why would you use the most distinctive sports car in American culture to do a hit and run? <laughs> why not use like a Lada or a Ford Escort? A fucking Trans Am. It's like, well, we've got two suspects. Who are they? Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. <laughs> or Ken Smith, who drives a Ford Fiesta. Uh, yeah. Wouldn't be him. You, who does a drive drive by shooting in a, in a in a Fiesta? No, it's probably him with the Trans Am then. Yeah, that's like oh, the Trans Am. It's probably him. But meanwhile, Sean Corey finds out that that water company um, is owned by Peel. I mean, they're, they're just not covering their tracks, are they, Dan? Oh, uh, before, there's a bit we missed. So there's another date scene. Oh, the dinner. The they, dinner. No, they're walking by the bridge. They're just oh, by, mm. out by the Gongit Bridge. And, and he tells her he loves her. Oh, there's all that bollocks. And mm. it, like I say, we are on about day three of the yeah. investigation. He says, you know what? He, he, he says something that sort of suggests that he wants to dump her. Because he says what? something like, don't, don't you think that we've done something or other? And she's like, what do you mean? And he turns to her and says, it's just that I think I love you. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, I really uh, care about you. Yeah, that's, mm. uh, he says that. And it's the thing is, in a better movie, you'd be like, mm. you buy it because there would be the, you know, you, I don't know, it would feel more substantial, but it's just, you don't feel like it's, it's trying to be like an erotic thriller and they've got this immovable love and like, I don't know, I don't know, chemistry this, between this, them, but it's not there. This film needs more fucking. I think maybe it needs mm. some or none, and it's mm. it need it, certainly that one scene on the bonnet isn't enough. I no. think maybe if if you got the sense they were like they were just these, you know, if you did have a scene that was you know the scene in the Terminator where they finally fuck. Yeah, there's yeah, something yeah. about that. There's like, oh, you kind of weirdly you get the you mean connection. between Connery and Jack Warden. Yeah, Jack Warden. If yeah, I just want to be clear, we're all talking about the same thing. Yeah, on <laughs> top riding Connery. <laughs> yeah, I should have left your Scotch ass. <laughs> In my bed last night. <laughs> Scotsman. You should have left your Scotsman's mm. ass. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, we can pretend that we won the Vietnam War, but we can't pretend that we don't love each other. <laughs> I don't know how to quit you. <laughs> should we go bareback? <laughs> um, so, yeah, they have that walk, and it's really tedious. And then Connery finds out that uh, the water company is owned by Peel. So then we have the, like... Annual policeman's ball. Oh yeah, where does this come from? It must be a missing senior. It's really weird because Meg Ryan has basically now decided that she's going to flirt with everybody. Yeah, in front of Mark Harmon to piss him off. So there's some sort of a base dinner. We don't know what it is, but Meg Ryan's there and she's taken Mark Harmon with her. Mm. I don't know why they've known each other seventy-two hours. He's not happy being there because of obviously the history with everybody else he used to work with. I get the sense she slept with every other man on the base. That's what I mean, yeah. yeah she's yeah. come from a sex comedy. But, yeah. Mm. And she's flirting with people in front of him. She asks the man to dance, goes a bit too OTT with him, and then she brings him back to the table. <laughs> now Mark Harmon's like, why are you doing this? And then the guy's like, hey, don't talk to her like that. And then he punches the guy. Does he kick the guy on the balls? Oh, something like that. And then he cooks And then he says to Meg Ryan, is that what you wanted? And then he goes, I'm going. And he storms out. Yeah. So they, Meg and Sean Connery go home and they argue, and then she makes a reference to her mother. This is how you treated mum, and that's why she killed herself. And then Connery raises his arm to her. The, I, I was, and stops the, himself. I, th- I think this is something Mitch Ben said as well on Outline. The, mm. At this period, he was like, as long as there was one scene where he got to do some proper acting, that was enough for Connery. And this is his mm. acting scene in this. Because yeah. other than this, he's got no hard work to do whatsoever. Absolutely not. No. And this is this is the one of two drama scenes he really has in this movie. And he's very good. And they're both mm. very good, actually. In a mm. better film, this is a much more moving scene because she accuses him of, you're the reason my mother killed herself. He raises his hand to her, which is actually has more connotations when it's Connery doing it. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, but he but he is... It, it seems like this, you go, oh, that's why Connery was Connery. Yeah. But he stops himself, and then he goes away. And then my favourite scene in the film, I think, yeah. is when he taps on Jack Warden's window. 
And Jack Warden comes out and he tells him that, you know, he's had a row with Meg Ryan. And then he says to him, I'm going on the roof. <laughs> and Jack Warden goes, why? And he goes, because your window shield has my ash. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go up on the roof and they have a lovely little chat about old times and <clears throat> how the world's changed and all that sort of thing. Because Con- just- Connery is getting outside a bottle of scotch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I I was going to ask you this, actually. Um, he, this is the, does he do much drunk acting? In his career, not really. No, I, mean, I didn't think he did. This is the only I mean, one I can think of. The man who would be kingy does a bit, yeah, um, but not really. No, he's always very sort of level-headed. Because it feels like it's something every actor should do at some point in their career is a scene where they have to pretend to be completely mashed up. He does it quite well in this. I think he does, but as I said to you, his voice goes around a little bit. Yeah, and at one point he does do a Christopher Walken impression. <laughs> Yes, yes, you sent me the clip and I didn't get to fucking listen to oh, it. What does he say? He goes, he goes, so Jack Warden says, uh, he goes, he says, Connery says something like, uh, she, she knows I love her. Oh, no, no, yeah, I love her, you know. And he goes, oh. yeah, and Jack Warden says, uh, you know, you can say, but uh, when's the last time you said it to her? And Connery goes, she knows. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and it's, it's, it doesn't sound like him at all for a second. Um, but he, he's pretty. I he's fine as as doing the drunk acting. He, he, hmm. It feels like it feels like acting, acting. Yeah, and it's kind of the turning point for his character because then he realizes that he's got to chill out a bit, otherwise he was going to lose his daughter, and maybe there's nothing he can do about Harmon and Meg Ryan being together. So perhaps he should just go along with it rather than being an obstacle. So the next day. He meets up with Mark Harmon, and they decide they're going to follow Spotter during his delivery. Oh, do, oh so we just missed the one bit where he cares the backstory, oh. because I don't know if, about you, but I was wondering the entire time, why why is Sean Connery oh. in the American military? Oh, God, yeah, go and tell that. That's interesting. So, so he, says, uh, he tells the story of how his family moved to America when he was 10. That's right. So he, like I say, 57-ish. So he's been in America for 47 years since he was 10 years old. Hmm. And he and he still sounds like Sean Connery, you know. Yeah, uh, yes, that's right. I've been in San Francisco my entire life, born and raised. Go Giants! No, I'm not buying it. Vote Harvey Milk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, he, in fact, weirdly, he still uses British words. Like he say all the way through the movie, he says rubbish instead of trash for a start. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's just. Did I, you read that when he died? Did you read that screenwriter? Forgive me, I don't remember who it was. But a screenwriter did a really good thread about um, <clears throat> working with Connery and working up a, a, a film they were thinking about doing. Right. No, I didn't read this. It was really good because it just said that Connery invited him round <clears throat> and was a bit cold at first. But when it was clear that he has had the same ideas as Connery in terms of the film, uh, Connery just basically from that day on treated him like um, a really good friend and would have him round all the time. And would be very active in working out the screenplay. And he even invited him to his house in, I think it was, was it the Bahamas or Barbados? I can't remember which. Uh, had him out there, you know, flew him out there and all that sort of thing. And uh, when it became clear the studio wanted to change the script that the screenwriters had and replace them with different screenwriters, Connery said, no, I want these screenwriters or nothing. And then he walked away from the project. And that movie was the hottie or the naughty. That's right. That yeah. movie was Hot Dog the movie. <laughs> yeah. That's. I mean, I think he had a lot of um, respect for for making films. Like, mm. I, I, just now, I think at a certain point in his career, there was a little bit of you know, do the job, get paid, fuck, fuck off. Yeah, yeah. But but I think even in every job, there was something that there was a reason he would have to do because he was still, even when he was kind of the wilderness years and the sort of late seventies to to when he did the Untouchables, that was that kind of career resurgence thing. He mm. was still in demand. I mean, he could mm-hmm. still turn things down. He was also he was never going to be broke again ever. So there still had to be something that he loved about it, and he must have. I'm sure there was something in every single project that he saw. He goes, I, I love this and I want to do this. Mm. With that said, I did Google uh, any good. Uh, golf clubs around the San Francisco area, and there are a few. So that is a possibility. Oh, there was that. I as well. think that's definitely the case because that that story about time bandits is how he did, why he did it, isn't it? Oh, really? In the time bandit script they wrote famously, um, an actor appears who looks like he says, you know, the the the, the king he plays. I can't remember the name in the Greek Leonidas. No, it's not Leonidas. No, whatever it was. Yeah. yeah, it says an actor who looks like Sean Connery, but obviously a cheaper version. 
And then they sent it to Sean Connery, and he did it purely because it was uh, they filmed it in somewhere in Spain that was near a good a lot of golf courses they used. Okay, but Sorry, he was, he, he was going to be there anyway. I guess that yeah. makes sense. Hmm. I think I think very much he was a, a soldier of fortune, but in a very good way. Yeah, I mean, like I, a lot of actors are. I can't think of anything where he you would genuinely say he phoned in his performance. Absolutely not. So I was just going to say, he, apart from sort of the later films, but even then he's got enough charm and going back to what I said earlier, he's got enough charisma and uh, magic on screen that you kind of, he can elevate a film that's not very good. And this is a great co- uh, case of that. And also something like Family Business. Oh, which I've never actually seen. Uh, it's dreadful. But oh, is it really? Yeah, you know, it's him and Dustin Hoffman are good in it, but the rest of it's pretty poor. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, but um, he he has certain powers, I think, as a presence. Yeah, he he knew how to walk into a room <clears throat> in a movie uh, that, mm. and it, and he knew and he knew how to make that compelling. And it wasn't even that he knew how to do it; it's just he couldn't help himself. There is something ridiculously charismatic. Even when I watched I watched that um, scene by scene with Mark Cousins with him. So mm. even when he's not acting, there's something about him just opening the door to Mark Cousins. He was just naturally yeah. was just this ridiculous persona. Charismatic, yeah. yeah. And also, like you think of things like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, where he turns up at the end, and when he walk, when he says, "You know, I cannot allow this marriage to continue," you're like, "I speak." Ah. Yeah, oh. I, I remember. I that is weirdly that is one of the like, one of the most memorable moments of a film ever because I already loved Sean Connery because of James Bond and Indiana Jones and all that, and that mm. and I rem- I had not enjoyed the movie Prince of Thieves <laughs> up until yeah. that point. And and when that happened, I I, I remember beaming. I remember the, the smile on my face. This is going to be really entertaining for the next thirty-seven seconds, whatever happens. Mm. Um, so yeah, even like an eleven-year-old kid is like, I fucking love this guy. That you've got yeah. something. Yeah. No, absolutely. He, him and Roger Moore both had that, I think. But Sean probably a bit more because he was a bit more diversive in terms of what he did for film roles. Yeah, I think I think he. With no disrespect to, to Roger Moore, I think mm. Connery was um, Roger Moore was Roger Moore, and he was a star. But Connery was a star, but he was, he really was an actor. Yep. And he did. He, he, Connery did a lot of projects that Roger wouldn't have done. Oh, that, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then again, Roger uh, Connery wouldn't have done Bullseye. So no, or Fire Eyes and Dynamite. No, absolutely not. No, he wouldn't have done that. Because you can't golf in that part of the world. There's nothing there. I think Sean was more Hollywood than Rog, though. Um, like Sean, uh, Rog, Rog was, Rog lived in Switzerland, whereas Sean lived obviously in the West Indies or Caribbean or whatever. But he was very much would approach Hollywood for his next projects. Whereas I think Sean was, uh, Roger was a bit more. I'll just do what they offer me if it's right. That's true. I, well, I think Connery was maybe just more. You can't imagine Roger Moore doing a Michael Bay film, for instance. <clears throat> um, no, but then I, I don't know how much. How much did Roger Moore? Do you think enjoy the acting part? Because he seemed annoyed that he had to be done for the last. I think you're four right. or five years. Yeah. He wanted to do it. I think he'd made his money, and um, mm. he, he was quite happy. It was was Connery? Connery has that vibe of a lot of actors you still get, the ones who grew up really poor, yeah. who, who feel, even into his 60s, even into his 70s, really, he was like, you know, I could lose all of this, I need to find the next fucking job. You know, mm. and he, so he still had his pleasures in life, the golf and everything else, but he was mm. still like, he still had that, like a real blue-collar work ethic. Well, Rog was raised poor, but he fell into a lot of successful projects. Mm. Like he was, uh, when James Garner left Maverick, Rog took over. Then he was Ivanhoe, or maybe before that. Then he was the Saint. Then he's James Bond. Mm. So it's a lot of franchises he did. That's true. He did because he was twenty. Oh God, how old was he when he finished doing Bond? He was in his late fifties. He was fifty-eight. Yeah, fifty-eight. Because he kind of practically retires after Bond, doesn't he? He just does bits and pieces. He does bits and pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Connery, you know, God. he was still doing Billy the Vet. God, oh God. We should do that one day. All right, I'm going to need a lot more gin for that one. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to this film. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, so the next day, Mark Harmon and Sean Curry follow Spoto on all his deliveries. And then he makes a delivery to Travis Air Force Base, picks up a water bottle that was brought to the base from the Philippines. Yeah. 
they, they've been staking him out for about five minutes, and they yeah. have, and that and with a bit of luck, that's when the thing that he's smuggling in arrives. Mm. So Harmon and Connery see the conspiracy to come together. Spotter, Lawrence, <clears throat> and Peel all knew each other in Vietnam. Spotter picked up a delivery of water from the Philippines but accidentally left the water bottle in the storeroom at the Presidio. When he realised his mistake, he went back to retrieve it, but Lynch, but Vasquez surprised him during the break-in and, sh- and he shot her. And by the way, this isn't them being told this. This is Harmon piecing it together and just going, yeah. this must be what happened. It's like, yeah. I guess. I mean, it does fit, but that could be anything. But Connery says to this theory, hmm, that's good, but there's one piece missing. There's someone else. There's another hand in this. That's right. And then just as he says that, Jack Warden pulls up in his car. <laughs> and he's like, he goes, oh, no. He goes, yeah, that's exactly, he goes, there's another hand in this. Jack Warden's up and he goes, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, what? And then Jack Warden gets out and then Harmon goes, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> so Warden goes in and suddenly has this massive crisis of confidence. Yeah. And says to Peel, um... That you know, we shouldn't be doing this, it's really bad. Well, because no one was supposed to die, mm. and he goes, Well, you just you, oh, yeah, and the, he this no one was meant to die. And then the henchman who's unnamed says, Oh, it's a little late to grow a conscience. It's like, Well, to be fair, you're just smuggling diamonds out of the Philippines. I'm not sure yeah. that's the most immoral thing that's ever happened, to be honest with you. Yeah, I should say, yeah, you just mentioned it, but the water bottle was full of diamonds, <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. I looked up. Um, apparently, it is a myth that you can smuggle diamonds in water. Um, they have different um, qualities in terms of how they react to light. So, in fact, diamonds are very obvious in water. What you have to do is, like in the Living Daylights, you put them within ice and with a heart in there. Yeah, that's the way to do it. So when they open up, you can't tell the ice from the diamonds. Yeah, imagine they were so thick. They go, we got a bottle of water, and what they've done is they've jammed a human heart into it, so you can't tell it's full of diamonds. They're very clever, these boys. Yeah, very good. <laughs> um, so then the Jack Warden comes in, and then he pulls out his gun that he had that you mentioned earlier. Connery gave him in the museum. Oh yeah, that was again that was alluded to during the drunk scene. Going, is that my gun? Yeah. Why are you walking around with that? And Jack Warden goes, I got my reasons and it just mm. doesn't bring it fair enough then i'll just finish this whiskey yeah nothing to worry about there yeah it's all a bit death wish three they then get into an argument and um there's a massive all... exposition dump here where massive peel, exposition dump. peel says things that we the audience needs to know for anything to make sense but which everyone in the room already knows well he says it has to stop and then, as you say, he talk, tells everybody that's watching the plot. And then they basically knock the gun out of his hands. And just as Peel is about to kill him, uh, Connery and Harmon come in. And then there's a massive gunfight. Mm-hmm. And Jack Warden gets shot with a shotgun. <laughs> it goes on forever. Oh, th- there's one thing, though, because the only reason we find out that, that Jack Warden's been doing this is because he's being blackmailed by Peel. Hmm. Uh, uh, and that's maybe important. He says, "If you don't do with what we are telling you here, we'll show everybody a problem in child too." Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it goes on forever. And then there's a shootout, which is really confusingly done because Mark Harmon basically spends the whole time, it seems, laying down the conveyor belt, holding a shotgun. Yeah, going up and down. Yeah. Whereas Connery and, and Jack Warden, the elderly Connery and Warden, mm. are, are really up to their ankles in water and stuff like that. Yeah, there's lots of water being shot out and stuff. So there's, there's like a whole fountain, like a whole flood of water on the floor. It's 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 a very it's a very dull scene because remember this is an era where every third act action scene had to take place in a warehouse or a mm. cannery or an industrial mm. building of some sort, yeah. and it's very it's it's very. By the dumb. numbers. Yeah. There's yeah. one part, there's an amazing part where uh, one of the henchmen thinks that Mark Harmon is hiding behind a My barrel. My favourite bit in the film. Oh, yeah. with the, the water barrels with the machine yeah. gun. Yeah. And he shoots, and like about like 30, you hear 30 bullet shots, but mm. he only had money for like two bullet hole squibs. Yeah. <laughs> and what does Harmon say as he comes past in the conveyor belt? Oh, God, I don't know. I can't remember. It's something like, um, you're wrong. <laughs> God. And then he shoots him. I did not remember it. It's, just... it's something like that. Uh, it's really embarrassing. Not even a, like a conveyor belt pun? Like, I'd like to no. convey to you that you're no. dead. No, nothing like that. He says something like, nice. he says something like, you're wrong or wrong place. 
It's really bad. Could have gone water. It could have had a water pun. Water yeah. palaver. Bang. You could have said H two O. But yeah, so they shoots. They all get. They all get shot, and then um, Jack Warden sort of dying, and then a, the peel comes along, and he's shooting at Jack Warden and Sean Connery, and then Mark Harmon shoots him. Yeah, it's really dull. And then they're all dead. And then Jack Warden dies. And then Connery turns to Harmon and says, would you do me a favour? Would you delay your report for 48 hours so we can give Jack Warden a can burial? Buried with honours. Yeah, mm. yeah. He deserves that. And then he says, okay. And then they have a military funeral. And then Connery gives like a tearful eulogy. Yeah. Which is like the most emotional scene I've ever seen Sean Connery ever do. Yeah, yeah. Proper tears. Yeah. Never seen that before. He, he's, he, this is one of those, in a movie that was worth a damn, that mm. would be the Oscar clip. Yeah. Because it's a perfectly Oscar-winning performance in this scene. It's like, incredible. When I first saw Jack Warden in Problem Child 2, I, I wanted uh, to cry. <laughs> because, because I was his agent and I'd gotten the job and I feel like a piece of shit. But he's, he's so good in it. And it's mm. just because it's and in a good movie, you mm. it wouldn't be a dry eye house, dry eye in the house. No, in this absolutely. Movie. But absolutely. because it's such a disposable nothing, and you've just been in a very tedious scene with a water gun thing, a, a gunfight, Dan, in a water factory. Yeah, not a water pistol thing. No, 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 it might as well have been. Might as well have been. You don't. Yeah, yeah. it's very dull. Um, I've never seen where Connery pisses into his water pistol. <laughs> I put this right in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, piss! <laughs> the thing, Not fair. Oh, the thing is, there's something Warden says to him in that last scene. He goes, uh, "He goes, I was. I think he admits he was being blackmailed." And he goes, "I really fucked up." And then he dies. He says, "So we never mm. find out what he was being blackmailed for." No, I That's guess annoying. he was a nonce. I think he was a nonce. Uh, I, I, I thought what it was going to be, which would make more sense, that it turned out that he had lied about what he had done that day, and there was only like two. I genuinely thought the twist was going to be there was only ten Vietnamese. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Instead uh, of how many did he say? Forty. Right, yeah, that would make sense. There was only thirty. Tell Sean Connery that you lied yeah. about how many people you saved him from. <laughs> Actually, there are already twelve. <laughs> you piece of shit! You only killed twelve Vietnamese people. How can't even look you in the eye? Or like he like I had like parking fines yeah exactly but and in vietnam the only i killed two and i backed over them with my car <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah two confirmed kills it yeah. was literally because he put the car in the wrong gear I love that. that's a proper naked gun joke isn't it? naked gun yeah luckily they turned out to be a Viet Cong. Yeah. <laughs> luckily they turned out to be drug dealers yeah. oh god oh god. Uh, so after the funeral then um Connery and Harmon are like best mates. And then he says, Connery basically says, Look, I'm all right. If you want to go out with my daughter, that's fine. But can I watch? Because I'm lonely. <laughs> he doesn't say that. He doesn't say that. Um, and then they kind of walk off together from the funeral, and that's the end. Yeah. Then, yeah. And we're done. I mean, we've got to that point where we've established who the villains are. And then immediately as we established that Peel is the baddie, bearing in mind he's only had one scene, Yeah, he's then executed pretty much immediately. Yeah. We, we have no feelings about the villain whatsoever. Absolutely not. Apart from unless we count Jack Warden as being one of the villains, in which case we actually like him and it's a shame what happened. I, I suddenly had a mental image of where you said count Jack Warden. <laughs> he's like Dracula. He's, he's got a Dracula cape and he's called Count Jack Warden. <laughs> It might just be because I've drunk too much wine. God, I'd love that. You know what? I want to suck your blood. I don't know what to tell you. I say we all vote that I suck his blood. What do you think? I like Henry Jack Fonda's Wood. like maybe, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> Twelve angry, oh, eleven angry vampires, and one just regular guy. The one movie regular that guy, is. and they all want to suck his blood, and he has to turn them all. I'm like, yeah, I love Jack Warden. I think he's great. Although when I was a kid, I used to get him and Robert Loggia confused. Oh, they've got... I mean, in the dark, they sound the same. They do, and they're both sort of heavy-set Italian-looking men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I would say Robert Loggia was, is, is a slightly more attractive man. Yeah, I was, would. I'd definitely bum him. Yeah. 
was mm. Jack Warden just... Uh, I'd let him watch me wank. Let him, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely had to wank. Do you know what? This is your third book, by the way. It's it just is, a list of old actors, character actors, and what you'd let them do to you sexually. Yeah. yeah. And that's the whole thing. You don't want to hear what Peter Cushing can do to me. <laughs> you may blow when ready. Um, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I love Jack Warden. I think he's great. And um, he, he was, is, he's literally just having a paycheck here. And I don't I begrudge him that at all. No, no, but, uh, he was, uh, the part was written with Marlon Brando in mind. Which no. I, yeah, yeah. That would have been rubbish. Yeah, yeah. well, he's bloody awful about that, wasn't he? He turned I it hate, I hate it when the people go, oh, you know what? This film, they wrote it for Marlon Brando. And I just always think, nine times out of ten, he would have been crap. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's nothing worse. I mean, in 1988, Marlon Brando sort of blubbing around this film would have been awful. Yeah, you know, it would also taken all the attention away from Connery, who is the North Star of this film. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, again, that it could have been, Brando could have been in when anyone else was in it. Because this, the, this is one of those ones that went round Hollywood like a, a dozen times. Yes. So yes. originally uh, Lee Marvin and Jeff Bridges. Then Lee Marvin got ill and had a drop out. So Jeff Bridges said, "I'm not going to do it." Then they asked Gene Hackman to do it, and even Gene Hackman, who was in his wilderness years at that time, said, "No, this is shit." Mm. Schwarzenegger was supposed to be doing the Harmon part. I imagine that would have turned out a very different well, film. Also, can I just say that Hackman was probably doing Superman for the Quest for Peace at this Quest for Peace, the Superman for the Quest for Peace at this point. So. He was unavailable. He was unfortunately yeah, unavailable. But this is, I mean, this was going around. So this is, what year was this? 88? 88 it came out, so it's probably shot in 87. Yeah, so this has been swimming mm. around for like five or six years at that point. Um, and just people kept dying or saying no. Mm. Um, but I, I, I don't know. Schwarzenegger, this is Schwarzenegger and Connery would have been great. Would have been interesting. Been brilliant. But we mentioned this on WhatsApp. This is another one of those cases of films people do after they've won an Oscar. Oh, yes. And they're always a bit odd. I had never really considered this. So you win an Oscar and then your next film is a kind of a turd. It's always a bit odd, yeah. Sometimes you recover from it. Sometimes you don't. And Connery but did I mentioned fine. to you Gary Oldman. Since he won the Oscar for um, the Churchill Mr. Blobby film... Um, until Mank, he'd done sort of director video films. Yeah, well, he's hard to cast, isn't he? Because he's mm. he's not. I don't know if he's a leading man. He's because the only part he'd really get would be quite um, weird sort of parts. He's not, he's not going to be like the romantic lead. Mm, I suppose but, so. But but did you watch Mank? I have still haven't. Is it good? It's brilliant. Oh, is it really okay? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, Connery had a perfectly good career. But he didn't have an, he, oh, he didn't did. really have an Oscar winner's career after this. No. Because it, most of his movies are versions of the Presidio, really. Mm -hmm. With a few exceptions. Do you want to do questions? You've done them like four times. I've done them four times. I, what I will say is, uh, I was going to ask you a question. Uh, oh, about who should be the next Bond. And there's this other guy, the oh, guy who's God. in Bridgerton, has come out. Oh, just today I saw it, that his odds are something like four to one now that oh, he yeah, will be I the next Bond. Well. Yeah. And I don't know who he is, and I was wondering if you knew anything about him and whether he would be a good Bond. I will answer your question in that I'm still firmly behind the Dan Stevens or um, I'm sad to say Henry Cavill train because I think yeah. he'd be good. But then I've had a lot of people, much like when Sean Connery died, post me this story about the Bridgerton man. Mm. And he looks good. He does. So I wouldn't be against it. Um, no. But I'm, I really want Ken Henry Cavill because he's a bit... He, it's almost like someone sawed Pierce <laughs> Brosnan and Roger Moore in half and stuck them together. Oh, God. I just pictured that. He's very that. Pierce it's... and he's very Roger at the same time. And I've, I've, if you've not seen the Man from Uncle remake he's in, which is a great film anyway, but he's brilliant in it. And I came away from that thinking... I really want that guy to be the next James Bond. What I'll say is, and I realised this today when I was reading about this Bridgerton guy, is it might be nice to have a more physically normal-looking Bond. Yeah. Because we've had 15 years now of a Bond who looks like he, who in fact, at one point does run through a brick wall. And it he might be nice does, to yeah. have that more Roger Moore sort of, yes, he stays in shape. It's much needed. Yeah. It's much needed. I think Henry Cavill... I mean, we're basing Henry Cavill on the fact that... Cause Someone posted to me the other day about, oh, how's he ever going to play Bond when he looks like this? And it was a picture of him from his Instagram in the gym where he looks like a house. 
Yeah, exactly. He and does. I'm assuming. I'm assuming this is for the Snyder Cut, which he's probably contracted to do. So he has to keep in shape. I'm imagining once all that's over with, he won't no, look still, like a brick shit house He's anymore. in that ship when he's when he did Mission Impossible as well. That's yeah, his ship now. Still, that was if you remember that was just after that was just after shooting Justice League because he wasn't allowed to shave off the moustache. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So he has <laughs> to look like that to be Superman. But when all this finishes, when the DC universe in, finally fucking implodes after Zack Snyder shits out his rotten egg. And everyone watches it and goes, oh, yeah, it is shit. Um, he p- possibly can get back to a shape where he isn't that big. Here's the trouble with that, right? Is mm. the ladies love it. They do, but he doesn't need to be as big as he is. He could probably I, yeah. whittle I, it down. It, <laughs> I think that's how it works. It's just a bit of whittling. That's all it whittling. is. Yeah. Whittling. Uh, but since I can't ask you the Bond questions, I'm going to ask you a different kind of question. Oh, okay, okay. What's your favourite Sean Connery film? Um, oh, that's an excellent question. It's probably, I mean, it probably is a Bond one, then maybe it's, uh, oh god, it's, it, ah, it, ah, it's, can I have a joint three? Because he's great. Of course you can. Goldfinger, Last Crusade, uh, Untouchables. What an excellent selection. What's your least favorite Connery film? Zardoz, but on occasion, that will also be my favorite one, depending on how much I've drunk on Christmas Eve. I struggle with Zardoz because, yes, it's shit, but when when you watch it, the actual plot, if it was sort of stretched out a bit and finalized and twigged, it's a great idea. It's one of those movies that I'm just, I'm so glad it exists in the world that somebody Mm. gave them the money to make whatever the hell that is, and that Sean Connery went. You want me to put on a dress? Just put on the dress. All right, then, but there better be good golf clubs around here. And it's just, uh, yeah. And Zardos when you is, get that reveal in the library, and it's like it's based on the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Like, oh, God, that's so clever. <laughs> and I really like the conceit behind it, uh, that it is basically the Wizard of Oz. Um, but, yeah, it's just so... It's so 70s in terms of... Yeah. Especially John Borman in terms of being mental. Yeah. I'm, so I'll, I'll, I can't say Zardos because I've had a lot of pleasure from it, so I'll probably have to go mm. with a very dull answer of uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, that's really bad. Um, and it, what a, No defence for that one. No, it's just, just a sad way for, it to, for a career to have gone out. You can't really turn up to the premiere of your film and then tell the, everyone the director's a cunt. You can if it's that film. <laughs> you can, but you shouldn't. Because you wanted to do well. <laughs> yeah, like, well, he doesn't give a shit. I got paid right. in advance for this one. I didn't get points. So, Dan Thomas, thank you so much for appearing. As, al- <laughs> as always, it's a pleasure. Like, like you're some sort of imp. <laughs> Welsh imp. <laughs> oh, God, he has had a couple of drinks, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, thanks. It's lovely to talk to you again. Because um, it's not like I've been talking to you every week for about... <laughs> 50 weeks. <laughs> Three months. Yeah. It's more than that. We've been going a long time now. That. It is more than that. Uh, if you're interested in me and Dan talking, we're sometimes with a doctor, and you can catch us on Patreon, the Smirch Patreon. Uh, changes are coming soon on that one. I'll announce later. Uh, but otherwise, um, Dan, thank you so much for being here. Yes, as always, it's a joy. Mm. And thanks for talking about the Presidio, even though we didn't talk about it much. We told them the entire plot. What more do they want? Exactly. Fuck them. Thank you, Dan. (laughs) Goodbye.
Hi, I'm Keza McDonald. And I'm Ellie Gibson. And this is our new show, Extra Life. It's basically us talking to funny people about video games. When I was a kid, it was Grand Theft World. There's Sinclair ZX Spectrum. We talk about the games people remember from when they were kids and what they're playing now. Guitar Hero. The Last of Us 2. Combat on the Atari 2600. No, I love Pokemon. Anyway, find us anywhere you get your podcasts. Extra Life. GreatBigOwl.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.